Welcome to Southside Westeros, where we explore the world of Game of Thrones. From the fist of the first man to the catacombs of the Red Keep, no secrets will be safe from us. Enter and forever be changed. There is only one God, and his name is Death. And there is only one thing we say to Death. Hello and welcome back to the secret area of Southside Westeros. I'm D. Paul, your master of whispers, and I am walking you through the catacombs to talk about patron episode number three. This is only available to you, a patron of the show. The regular public doesn't get this. Only my special fans who feel the need to help us to grow. And we wholeheartedly appreciate you. Today, we're going to talk about the drowned God. Now, the drowned god is worshipped by the Iron Islands, um, together with the North, where, they, where uh, the worship of the old gods of the forest remained strong. Um, the Iron Islands are one of the few regions of Westeros not abiding by, abiding by any main religion of the Seven Kingdoms. The faith of the Seven. They could care less. The drowned god, which is depicted by statues or sometimes made by assembling like driftwood and uh, vaguely humanoid shapes, you know, kind of shows the crude rudimentary nature of the ironborn. Um, uh, But I will tell you this, the faceless men of Bravos do believe in the drowned God and believe that he's one facet or aspect of the many face God. So the belief system of the drowned God justifies the ironborn practices of piracy and raiding. Yara once said, you know, he plucked fire from the sky, which allowed us to reeve, rape and write our names in blood. Right. Um, and that's what he did. He believed they believed that he plucked that fire and he created this ironborn nature. But I think it was more so out of the destitution and this the gray existence of the Iron Islands. Um, much of the religion centers around maritime skills and, and, and marital ability, right? And um, it's not simply praiseworthy um, to kill enemies in battle. It is considered a pious act. So a youth in the Iron Islands is not considered a man until he has killed his first enemy. Uh, the religion also encourages paying the iron price. You you hear this a lot. He has to pay the iron price instead of the gold price, meaning that it's better to take it than to pay for it or trade for it. And we're going to take it by force. And if we kill you, that's a bonus. Now, to outsiders, the drowned God religion may seem like a thinly veiled justification for pillaging and plundering. But the ironborn themselves take this thing very seriously. As you hear, when they start mum, you know, mumbling or, or murmuring their sayings, everyone bows their head. So this is ingrained in them. And they actually have a fairly well-developed cosmology and belief system surrounding it. Now, number one, within this belief system, the drowned God is locked in an eternal struggle against the storm God. The the drowned God's halls are located beneath the ocean, Atlantis. I want to show you where these uh, mythologies are coming from. Um, While the storm God lives in a castle in the sky with his thunderbolts, Zeus, 
the storm god is constantly trying to send storms to dash ironboard ships against the rock. So you see where even though this is a, a ingrained religion, it's 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 a, a, a primitive society explaining natural events. Now the resurrection figures prominently in this religion. This is where they take a lot from Catholicism, um, specifically being revived after drowning, as you see where Euron is drowned. And if he comes back, he's considered strong. The drowned God himself is said to have drowned at sea. And for the sake of the ironborn, returned to life harder and stronger. Drowning is always employed as a method of sacrificing captured enemies to the drowned God. It's also very barbaric. Um, Due to their belief, though, the ironborn do not fear drowning at all in the sea. Which you have to 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 be on the sea. You have to if you've ever been on a boat and you've not seen any land, you understand what the sea is like. So you gotta be a strong person just to be seaworthy. So this just it, adding the not fear of drowning just makes you even that more godlike when you're out there. Um and kind of gives into this fearless raider um image they have. Kind of Viking in a way, right? The Vikings did this. Um, the people who drown are believed to be taken to the drowned gods' watery halls. Where they'll feast on fish and be tended by mermaids for eternity. Now, this part, I think, comes from Muslims. So so I, you see where, where many different religions come in and, and make these. But I, I like what they've done. They've taken certain aspects and put them together and they don't conflict. They work very well together. So whenever a reaver dies, uh, the ironborn say the drowned God needed another oarsman. Kind of how we say, hey, God needed another angel, right? So even though these ironborn people are very tough and very cynical and, 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 and rough people, they have a very soft side. They have a soft side to them that you don't really see on the show. On, on, until you start breaking this down. Now, of course, the book goes into more detail, and we'll go into that later, but we're primarily going from the show. So while the faith of the seven prohibits same-sex relationships, uh, both men and women, it's unclear about the drowned guy's attitude regarding male and female homosexuality. Why? Homosexuality. Why? Yara Greyjoy is a prominent captain who openly engages in sex with both men and women, mostly women. Now, none of her followers seem to find this unusual. And remember, Yara is a female captain, which is very... Rare. Now, of course, she's the daughter of of their king. However, that doesn't mean anything because look how they treat Euron. I mean, um, uh, Theon. But Yar herself is very much an exception to many norms in her culture because these males who are tough and hard follow her without question. And it's unclear how typical this behavior is because we don't see a lot of other ironborn women. They're just, you know. Backdrops, really. But in the Dance of the Dragons, Victorian Greyjoy drowns 20 male prostitutes. Um, this is where we go into the book. Regarding them as unusually unnatural creatures. But it's unclear whether he acted out of religious zeal or due to his personal opinion about homosexuality. So this is where the book and the and, and the show kind of go away. And um, could have been 
prostitution since he was paid. It kind of goes against the ironborn way, the gold price versus the iron price. So they never really go into it. And I believe they're ambiguous purposefully at this point, not to raise any ire. Um, but at the same time, however, uh, Victorian is aware that four of his men have raped a maester. They took prisoner. <laughs> and he doesn't care making the distinction that it was taken versus paid for. Wow. Now, the practices are where it gets a little weird. Um, the common prayer exchanged by the followers of the drowned God states, what is dead may never die, with the usual response being echoed of the same line. If one person begins the prayer, usually others join in or finish it. Um, it involves clutching the right hand and fist over the heart. Priests of the drowned God are called drowned men. And these are kind of icky, creepy kind of men, right? Kind of look like the guy from Poltergeist or um, Phantasm. Uh, they anointed, these anointed devotees are anointed using seawater instead of holy water. That's considered holy to them. Infants are drowned during baptism um, by being submerged in the seawater temporarily. Or by a priest pouring water over their head, but they're not really drowned per se. Or you kill all the kids. Adults are anointed, though, but they are drowned. And uh, if you come back, you're good. Uh, there's an exchange, though, between the priest and the drowned man. And I'll, I'll tell you what happens there. So he says, uh, let's, let's just say Theon, right? Let Theon, your servant, be born again from the sea, as you were. Bless him with salt Bless him with stone. Bless him with steel. And then the Theon says, what is dead may never die. Then the drowned man said, what is dead may never die, but rises again harder and stronger. Now, this must have been a very motivating kind of thing, right? Like you come back from being drowned and your mythology tells you you're going to be stronger, harder and better in every way. So guys were lining up to get this done because you needed that motivation. This is a tough existence. You, I don't care how tough or rough or how you know hardened you are to the society. And you and and Game of Thrones kind of did well to show you that there there were very few that just unceremoniously killed. Everyone felt a certain type of way about killing, and I, I'm sure these guys are no different because their killing is is worse. They're reaving and raping and robbing and. Kids screaming and all, all this stuff builds up inside of you at some point. So you need these type of things to motivate you and keep you, you know, ready for game time. Now, another type of ceremony used to anoint kings involves the drowned man actually drowning somebody. Again, we saw this with Euron and he holds them underwater until they stop breathing. And then they're dragged ashore and they're not no mouth to mouth or anything. You got to breathe on your own. And if you breathe. Then this prayer comes. Let Euron, your servant, be born again from the sea as you were. Bless him with salt. Bless him with stone. Bless him with steel. Listen to the waves. Listen to God. He is speaking to us. And he says we shall have no king but Euron. Let the sea wash your follies and your vanities away. Let the old Euron drown. Let his lungs fill with seawater. Let the fish eat the scales off his eyes. What is dead may never die, but rises again harder and stronger. What is dead may never die. 
And then those around say, what is dead may never die. Now, unlike the faith of the seven or the worship of the Lord of Light, the drowned guy religion appears to be rather sexist. Yara is the exception, but it, it is sexist. Ironborn men are expected to raid, plunder, kill, and command ships. But it's frowned upon for ironborn women to do anything other than be there for the men. While the faith of the seven and the Lord of the Lights do have priestesses, and the old gods of the forest simply have no clergy at all, the drown the drowned god priesthood is all men. That's it. Men. So it's considered quite unusual that Yara is who she is. But again, I th- uh, she's a, a special individual. She's tough, but she's also the king's daughter. So you mess up with her, you, you messed up. Now, she rose up as a young woman, apparently. And I'm sure with her being the only child of Balon Greyjoy, she was a tomboy at the very least. So she is probably looked upon as not a normal female. Now, it is common to execute criminals by laying them on their backs on the beach at low tide, staked. You allow them to drown slowly. This kind of gives you an ideal of where the primitiveness of this comes in. The drowned god has uh, several basic social rules against incest, though, kinslaying and bastardy. It also upholds the laws of hospitality, which holds sacred the good behavior of guests and hosts towards each other. A message the phrase did not get, and we are going to talk about him in a future podcast. Now, in the books, I, I don't want to get into it too much, but again, they they loosely inspired by Viking culture. Um, most of the drawn God religion actually bears striking similarities to the Norse myths, which led to Christianity and others. Um, you, the, the whole thing about Valhalla versus, uh, the drowns God's halls, one being in the sky, one being below the sea. I mean, I, I can see where they were different due to where they were and due to being, to just be, having a stark contrast from the Viking belief especially with the storm God and Thor and most of this is Norse. Now I, I I would suggest, and I would encourage you to read the book. I think you should, especially if you're a fan, you don't really have an, another choice as to not read the book, right? If you really want to transcend to the next level of fandom and in the book, it gets into more detail, especially um, when it comes to the House of Black and White and what Bravos and the Ironborn actually have similar. And and this is these are two of the most furthest apart societies you can ever imagine. Bravos is the Rome. This is the upper class. This is where the money is. This is where the rich people are. And the ironborn are grungy pirates. So they're, they're too different. But the house of black and white, which takes a more pragmatic look at death, to them, they're very efficient. Very efficient. They, they supply the God of many faces and the God of death with many gifts. And they get into that. Especially with the septums and 
when they move to the islands and, and Harmon the third. And there's a lot that goes on that I'm not going to go into detail now because I just want to give you a kind of in this episode. It's just, I'm, what we're doing here is we're going over the deities. And, and, and the reason why we go over, through those is to kind of show you the belief system that some of these characters have, which leads to some of the behavior they exhibit and which causes a lot of the results that we have seen. Some we like, some we don't. But the Drowned God was a very interesting one to me. I, I knew it would be a quick talk, uh, but it's very meaty because it shows a lot. And it, it makes you look at the Ironborn a little differently. And the Ironborn, again, well, they were another uh, group of people that could have benefited from some detailed um, storytelling. That's a couple episodes. But uh, you can't look at them as human and uh, not feel bad at what happened to them the hands of Ramsey and um, others. So I don't know, but I thank you. It's been a quick, quick 15 minutes, uh, a little bit more than that. But uh, again, I always appreciate you patron and uh, I will have way more for you. You're going to start getting behind the scenes videos. If you don't have them already, Uh, you're going to be getting transcripts and we're going to be setting up more live Q and a sessions. So we're going to be talking live one-on-one. And remember, if you're a super patron, if you hit that top tier and you're a patron for a while, you're going to get free gifts. We send you out free gifts every three months of you being a patron. But if you're a top tier patron, guess what? You get to do a podcast with me. Yep. If you're local, we may even do it face to face, depending on your status, or we can do it by Zoom. And I'll even let you pick the subject. How's that sound? Sounds good, huh? Well, be a top patron for a little while and see how it works out. But this is D. Paul, your master of whispers, and this has been another great patron episode of Southside Westeros. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Southside Westeros. We look forward to you coming back and visiting us again. If you want to email us, you can reach us at southsidewesteros at gmail.com. You can also reach us at southsidewesteros at both Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch. We're SS Westeros at Cup of Coffee and Twitter. If you want to donate to the program to keep getting this great content, please donate to our Patreon or our Cash App. Both are Southside Westeros. Valor And may the mother bring seven blessings to you all. Thank you.